The global real estate investment market is a multi-trillion dollar industry, a massive investment vehicle that has made the fortunes of magnates across the globe. Yet this behemoth market has largely remained resistant to major technological change, maintaining antiquated processes for those trying to make money from tangible property. Ryan Williams, the co-founder and CEO of Cadre, is on a mission to shake up this lumbering industry. A Harvard grad who worked stints at the Blackstone Group and Goldman Sachs, the 29-year-old Williams has built Cadre into a next-generation platform that empowers people to buy and sell real estate more efficiently. Co-founded with Josh and Jared Kushner, Cadre has already closed hundreds of millions of dollars worth of deals on the platform. The New York-based company recently raised $65 million in a Series C funding round, drawing the attention of major real estate players in its plans for global expansion. Almost every major industry of our time has been transformed by technology in some way, shape, or form. Room sharing, Airbnb, Uber, or Lyft, depending where you are in the world, has transformed how drivers and riders connect. But no one had really done it for one of the biggest industries in the world, real estate. Ryan Williams joins the Ivy Podcast to discuss the next steps for Cadre and the tenacious work he's doing to remain at the forefront of the next wave of innovation in the real estate market. Please enjoy our conversation with Ryan Williams. You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're here today with Ryan Williams, the CEO and co-founder of Cadre. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, uh, to chat. It's great to have you here. So <laughs> you've built an incredible company and I'm super excited to learn all about it. Before we get there, yeah. why don't you tell me how was it growing up and what got you into the entrepreneurial path in the first place? Sure. Uh, I think I've always had sort of an entrepreneurial um, spirit. You know, I've always looked at challenges as opportunities. I've always wondered if I sort of see um, conflict or an issue, is there a way to enhance it? Is there a way to create uh, you know, a better process or better opportunity? So I think for me, it, it sort of has been a mentality um, that I think started growing up and having to be somewhat resourceful. And it manifested itself, I guess, my first ever business when I was 13. When I was growing up, you know, I, I had a lot of uh, interest and a lot of desires, um, but I always ask people, you know, like, what was one thing you really wanted when you were 13? I guess what would be one thing in your case? For me? Yeah. Uh, I think I still wanted to be an astronaut when right. I was 13, yeah. So I had, I had ambitions <laughs> like that, but I was actually um, thinking even like lower level, which is I really liked buying sports apparel. And mm -hmm. uh, I played sort of basketball and soccer and a few other sports. And loved buying headbands and wristbands, but got tired of paying fifteen or twenty dollars because it had a Nike check or you know, Adidas three stripes or Jordan. And so, started thinking, how can I 
buy a more affordable product that not just I could enjoy, but my friends, because none of us were really looking to spend hundreds of dollars on, on sports apparel. And so I actually identified in the wholesale district um, uh, in Louisiana, basically an opportunity, which was they were selling all these uh, retail terry cloth headbands and wristbands that I could buy at a fraction of the cost. And again, I think it goes back to challenge, finding sort of opportunity in that. And what happened was I ended up buying some of these headbands and wristbands for one, two, three dollars, um, wearing them for myself, selling them to friends. And over time, as we started selling hundreds of units, I saw that I was going to need to differentiate the product, right? So again, it was like, okay, the next challenge, where's the opportunity? And, and the differentiation at that point was, how can I customize or personalize these headbands? How can I make sure people felt they could call these products their own? Because that, to me, would have been a sort of core um, uh, value that people otherwise wouldn't have really been able to have beyond just buying it for cheap. And so I ended up finding someone who was willing to personalize the headbands and wristbands. Fast forward another year or so, and we were selling hundreds of headbands and wristbands. Um, I had a website where I could actually market and distribute it. And uh, as I matriculated to Harvard my freshman year, I was fortunate enough to exit and sell the company. And to me, the lesson there was there's always challenges, there's always um, conflict, there's always sort of disconnects. As an entrepreneur, being able to kind of navigate that uncertainty and create opportunity, opportunity that also helps other people and uh, you know, help my friends and my network is kind of the ultimate thrill. And um, I took that experience and that opportunity of building that company and having a good outcome and used not really just the capital, but the experience to catapult me forward to ultimately build a, a real estate company. And um, the genesis of that was actually very similar to the first company, which was identified a problem, identified challenges. At that point in time, it was sort of 2008, so subprime credit crisis timeframe, and realized that there are a lot of communities being turned upside down, uh, and there are a lot of distressed foreclosed homes being sold and communities that weren't that dissimilar from where I grew up, um, but no one was sort of applying solutions, uh, no one was applying uh, technology, and uh, that's kind of like the, the kicker to how Cadre ultimately first started. I call that like the very first founding moment. All right, so you started Harvard freshman year, you already sold your company, so you had some key entrepreneurial experience under your belt. Yeah. You also, before starting Cadre, you were at Blackstone, mm -hmm. right? Um, so tell me a little bit about so what you picked up, I guess, from the world of finance, yeah. and um, you know what kind of gave you, I guess, like the uh, courage to go head to head against huge real estate players. Right. What, what do you think gave you the edge? Yeah, for me, I, I have never been shy about taking unconventional approaches. Um, to what people think are kind of conventional problems. And I was really fortunate to spend some time at Blackstone and learn a ton from some really great investment professionals there. But what I also saw was that there was uh, some challenges in terms of how we as a team and as a company um, conducted investment processes, underwriting, due diligence. And there was a problem that was very, uh, in many ways, manual. And when I really took a step back and I thought about that company and the platform, I realized technology hadn't evolved that space in any way, shape, or form. And I thought that you know, I had a unique competitive advantage. I had domain understanding and domain expertise to actually transform you know, the financial services, the alternatives industry through technology. And so I, to answer the question, a lot of uh, the confidence that I was able to, uh, or courage that I was able to have 
was really a function of um, me feeling like I had a unique competitive advantage, which was the domain, understanding from a technology standpoint, but also from a real estate and investing standpoint. And I knew that the opportunity was big enough such that even if I missed like in the, the initial outset, um, I'd be able to kind of pivot one way or the other to, to sort of um, transform the industry. Because you think about it, almost every major industry of our time has been transformed by technology in some way, shape, or form. Room sharing, you know, Airbnbs transformed how hosts and visitors or guests connect, uh, completely evolving the hospitality space and what it means to belong. Think about car sharing, Uber or Lyft, depending where you are in the world, has transformed how drivers and riders connect. Think about Amazon, they're transforming all consumer products. Um, but no one had really done it for one of the biggest industries in the world, real estate. And I thought that that was the opportunity that I could uh, attack and I would be lying if I said I knew exactly how it would play out or if we would have the type of momentum that we've realized today at Cadre. Uh, but I think it was a big opportunity, I had a clear vision and I knew I could at least get out the gate with some pretty unique competitive advantages. Okay, awesome. So in a nutshell, what does Cadre do in your words? Yeah. And uh, like, what was the beginning of the journey and where are you today? Yeah. Our vision is ultimately to be the preeminent exchange for universal participation in alternative investments. We're focused on, first and foremost, creating a really high quality experience for uh, the buyers and sellers on our platform. But we also want to expand who those buyers and sellers can be. Uh, if you take a step back, what asset class is the most important to build wealth creation? I'm going to go ahead and guess it's real estate. It's a leading question, yeah. So, so it's real estate. The challenge, the issue though, is it's available to a tiny fraction of our population. Real estate, alternatives, they're a great hedge and mitigant to kind of um, market volatility, right? Look at the stock market, the equities. Um, but most people have no idea how to even navigate it. So what we want to do at Cadre is first build a quality platform. Um, we want to provide access to real estate investments so that more people can participate and so that more people can build better futures. Um, but we really want to make it as easy to buy and sell real estate and other alternatives as it is to buy a stock uh, or as it is to buy something on Amazon. And I think that challenge of taking an institutional industry uh, applying almost a consumer-like um, level of transparency in a user experience is what gets our team really excited and energized because no one's been able to do it today. And um, I think that the journey at Cadre is starting today with creating trust, right? If you think about going back to Amazon or Fidelity or any of these platforms today that are, are robust, they started with creating a level of trust amongst their participants. And once you take that trust uh, and you start creating network effects and people feel really confident and comfortable, then you can move in like the Amazon analogy from just a bookstore to a superstore, right? Or in the Uber analogy from a uh, transportation to Ubering anything and everything. And in our world, we want to move from just a real estate platform marketplace to providing access to any alternative asset so that people again can participate and build better futures. Okay, amazing. Um, today, what are people able to do on your platform already? Today, it's real estate. And um, there's a saying that most companies die of indigestion, not starvation, trying to do too many things. And so we're, we're pretty focused on being focused at Cadre. So we want to you know, build the platform where people today can come and buy you know, a 5% or a 10% interest in a really high quality commercial real estate property um, on a national basis because we offer properties across the country. 
Um, but they, they can do it with a level of confidence and trust and access they've never had before. And that's going to set the stage for us to expand to other offerings. So really think about it as, um, in some ways, we're almost like IPOing commercial real estate buildings. Okay, very cool. And uh, who is like the ideal customer right now for you? So we're focused today primarily on um, accredited investors, family offices, pensions, institutional investors. And there's, there's a, a reason why we're focused on uh, that base. And the reason is really because we want to build a, a level of trust and credibility with the user base that historically has been um, pretty skeptical, right, of sort of technology and investment platforms. And as we're able to build that credibility at the top of sort of the investing ecosystem and pyramid, we'll have the optionality to then expand our product offerings to a much wider subset. So I'd say today, focus more so on accredited and institutional users. It's a means to an end, and the end is being able to increase universal participation. So a much wider subset. So you or me can access. And, and one interesting point to sort of signal that that is truly our vision um, is that we have committed and created an employee investing vehicle at Cadre. So every single employee has the opportunity to invest in the deals on our marketplace. And I think it's important to create a level of empathy with um, our team. I think it's important to uh, create a level of connectivity so people, um, first and foremost, inside kind of the, the Cadre ecosystem understand how powerful this access can be. And ultimately, we'll expand that to you know your family, friends, and anybody. Yeah. So it's like the more expensive Teslas and uh, over time, exactly. going to models that are accessible. Or, yeah, how Uber again started yeah. with like the Uber Black, um, and then expanded. Or uh, Fidelity started with mutual fund offerings. You really want to uh, create a core product that can create trust, so that you can expand to do other things. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Um, so just again, uh, so that everybody gets a good understanding here, you called it. It's like IPOing. Uh, you know, a commercial property, mm -hmm. for example. Um, specifically, how does it work? So sure. are you selecting certain deals to make available to your customer base? Is it exclusive? Or are you taking a portion and then yeah. reallocating? How does the mechanics work there? So it's really important, uh, if you use the IPO analogy, to understand that before we offer up a property to uh, you know a network of hundreds of, of buyers on our platform, we conduct a pretty rigorous level of due diligence and curation. Right. Um, we want our, our, our users and our clients to be able to benefit from high quality commercial real estate opportunities. And so what happens is upfront, we have a team of about 15 to 20 investment professionals from, um, excuse me, places like Blackstone, Starwood, uh, Goldman Sachs, and they're all incredible in their own right. They all took a chance to mm -hmm. come to what they think will be a, a more evolutionary way to, to uh, provide access to real estate. But they're conducting uh, due diligence and underwriting on the buildings before we actually offer them up. So a, an operating partner will come to Cadre and say, um, we have a property we're looking to buy generally the entire building. Instead of going to a fund, we want to come to you and we want to um, partner with you so you can capitalize this purchase for us. Right? They will put 5, 10, 15% into the building and then we will go out to our network of investors, but only after we've signed off on it. Um, so we do due diligence, we do underwriting, we have a data engineering and data science team, really to help augment that traditional underwriting process so we can move faster. And once we approve the deal, we um, actually can then guarantee the funding of the deal as well. So mm -hmm. we've raised a quarter billion dollar backstop uh, from a large family office that gives us execution certainty. So we're coupling kind of a more flexible 
transparent model with that same institutional credibility. Mm-hmm. And once we sign off on it, we IPO it, if you will. And we offer it up to our investors. But there's a, again, a really rigorous diligence process up front. And that's so that our users, our clients know um, what they're going to participate in has been vetted, has been approved, and ultimately we're investing alongside given this employee vehicle. Right. And is, uh, is it just as much about new properties as it is about liquidity on existing uh, yeah. purchases? You're, you're, going, you're going to the next phase of the roadmap. <laughs> so today we're, we're primarily focused on new uh, properties, new properties being um, existing in that you know they're built. We're not doing too much development. But where we're coming in to basically have majority ownership where we buy you know the entire building and we offer uh, most of that up to our investors some point we'll begin going to the best operators in the world uh, the best owners of properties and saying we have this platform this marketplace maybe you want 20 percent of this building to be sold on our platform or 50 percent we'll always maintain a bar in terms of the quality um, but i think we'll be able to expand our offerings to a much wider subset of properties so that anyone again can have access to liquidity. They're not prone to market swings and anyone can participate uh, in the asset class. We're starting with a little bit more structure right now. Okay, yeah. got it. So fast forward five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, like, so you, you already told me about you want it to be accessible to a much wider audience mm-hmm. of investors. But what do you think will be the ultimate change you drive in the world of real estate? So if your vision fully materializes, yeah. what will change from the way uh, People deal with buying or selling real estate today compared to how it will be. Today, real estate's omnipresent. It's everywhere. We're in a real estate building right now, but it's inaccessible. And that paradigm always struck me. uh, But what really struck me was the implications of that inaccessibility. And the implications, again, are you don't have the opportunity to build um, sort of wealth or your own assets, you know, through generations and through time because you can't participate. So you fast forward five, 10 years from now, we believe real estate will be um, as accessible and tradable as a stock. And we believe um, more people in our global economy will actually be participants in our global economy, meaning um, millions more people will have the opportunity to build sort of that type of um, wealth and have that type of access. And by the way, the other dynamic that will shift from today to then is people will think about investing in real estate as a two-sided experience. They'll think about not just buying, but being able to sell as well. So creating parity between uh, buying and selling so people can rebalance, get out when they need. Maybe you uh, have a goal of going on a nice vacation, you need $20,000. I'm not sure where, where you would want to go for $20,000, but that's a nice vacation. If you invest in real estate today, um, that is not an asset you can tap into to generate that type of liquidity. We want to change that dynamic, and we know through technology, we can add transparency and we can create information parity so people feel comfortable um, doing that. So I would summarize it as one, significantly more millions more can participate in the asset class because of our platform and marketplace. Two, um, people have an ability to not just buy, but sell. So creating a level of liquidity that has never really existed. And then three, ultimately more people will have the opportunity to build better futures more stable and secure futures. And um, that's really what gets our entire team excited every single day. Um, and that's what's, I think, attracted a lot of the investors um, that have leaned in uh, in different ways to participate with us. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And um, so when you think about your biggest challenges, I'm sure there are many, just yeah, as a with lot. any yeah, startup. We could, we could do a whole session <laughs> on that one. Yeah. What would you say is though the biggest challenge and risk uh, to this? Is it 
more macroeconomic or is it more in terms of the competitiveness of the space? What, what kind of keeps you awake at night? I try to get sleep when I can. Um, I've gotten a little bit better about that, which is important as well, because you had asked me sort of suggestions. Sleep is critical. Um, some of the big concerns and challenges I have, uh, they change over time. So from a macro standpoint, I do believe that today it's really, really challenging to find um, good investment opportunities because the market is somewhat toppy, right? Real estate prices are at our at or, or near peak in many places. Um, but I actually believe we're uniquely positioned to find really good opportunities because our model is one that offers our, our clients significantly lower fees. So on a risk-adjusted basis, we can go out and find deals that others might not be able to make work because we just have lower cost of capital. Um, so macro, I'm not as concerned about in terms of realizing our vision and mission. What I do focus a lot of time on is culture and making sure that as we grow, you know, we continue to maintain parity between purpose and profit. We don't get too caught up in, um, you know, sort of short-term decisions versus the long-term sort of enduring values that we're all trying to create. We're, you know, we have a, a culture right now. It's based off compassion, it's based off of collaboration, inclusion, candor. Um, and I don't want that to, to, to change, you know, as we grow and scale for the worse. I want us to actually build on that. And I think it's really, really challenging to do that when you've built a company where you're taking world-class engineers and product managers and designers and world-class investment professionals and kind of, you know, uh, bringing them together in a way they've never been brought together before. So that actually is probably one of the top um, things if I wake up at night that I think about is, is maintaining cohesion and culture. The other is as we grow and scale, it's important we maintain a level of innovation and creativity. We never get satisfied or get complacent. And it's easy to do that if things are going really well. And we've been really fortunate to have some great momentum, built a, a marketplace faster than anyone's been able to do in this space with a really incredible team. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you, you kind of uh, reflect back on sort of the accomplishments, it can um, sort of divert your attention from really what the future should be and continuing to shape that future. And so those would be the two sort of things that I spend a lot of time thinking about. How can we uh, maintain and build cohesion as we scale culture, from a culture standpoint? And how can we ensure we give space for innovation and creativity as we get busier every day? Okay, yeah. great. So let's actually dive a bit deeper there yeah. uh, on the subject of forming a team. So initially, like, just talk a little bit about when did you start? Sure. And who did you start with? Who were your co-founders yeah. and then initial investors? And where are you today in terms of team size yeah. and yeah. where you are in terms of your fundraising? Sure. So one of the one of the key decisions that I made and that we as a team have benefited from is building an incredibly powerful and diverse network. And I think that that's been one of the most important um, decisions we made to build as robust and um, quality of a network as possible that's given us the momentum. And so Cadre started uh, a little bit less than three years ago, and I had built sort of domain expertise in tech and real estate. And I recognized coming out of Blackstone um, that for us to truly realize this vision, this mission, we were going to need to build an incredible network. And so I shared a, a mission and a belief with uh, a few investors and advisors um, and uh, ultimately co-founders. Um, First, connected with Josh Kushner from Thrive Capital, who I've known for more than 10 years now. He was at, in school with me um, a couple years ahead of me. And 
he and I had been chatting for a while about, you know, the opportunity here. Uh, Josh looped his brother, Jared Kushner in, who um, was in the real estate investing space, had his own platform, and in many ways was the perfect sort of uh, partner on the supply side for us to begin testing out deal flow with his own real estate business. Mike Facitelli was another uh, of the earliest, almost founding advisors, um, who was formerly CEO of Ornado, had a Goldman's real estate group. And uh, Mike's been someone who's helped shape the product vision, but also help us build a network and frankly, hire a couple of people. Um, he was really instrumental in actually bringing on our current head of acquisitions uh, from Starwood, a guy named Marco Salvarado. He was really helpful in uh, convincing our head of product, Andrew Borowski, as well to join. And so um, Mike was probably kind of the third sort of um, member that I think really helped us grow. A guy named John Winkleried was another one of the early advisors that I uh, really want to get on board. So John used to be president of Goldman Sachs. He is now co-CEO at TPG. And John was really, really thoughtful about building sort of the investor base and who we need to go to. Uh, and I think with that kind of cadre of early partners um, and advisors, we were able to really scale quicker than probably we uh, should have in some ways. Um, but I think, again, that's how you kind of grow and develop. And that, that group really covered the gamut from tech to real estate, to financial services, to investing, and gave me kind of like a pretty powerful network as we thought about hiring people, as we thought about raising capital, and as we thought about uh, building sort of the sponsorship side of the business. Okay, amazing. So the, a key driver in the success is, obviously you as the prime mover, you had this vision, you had the core competencies that mm -hmm. you developed, and then it sounds like you brought on board literally the best people in the world the best. in each every in every field exactly right and since then so over the last three years like where where are you today specifically sure. so the product was launched you mentioned you have yeah. like a couple hundred customers yep. um what's the team looking like and what's going what's coming up in the next year yeah the uh the best is definitely yet to come for us and we're really excited about uh realization of the mission there's a there's a a saying that the best companies, the opportunity gets bigger every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and you've seen it with a lot of different platforms. And that's true at Cadre as well. And I think that um, that, uh, that expansion and growth is really what drives um, so much energy and so much um, passion about what we're doing. And so we're going to take a lot of this excitement, the momentum, um, and grow our team. And I believe that by the end of the year, we'll be uh, close to 75, potentially 80 people. Uh, a year from now, um, you know, we'll be in the hundreds. And I think from a product standpoint, we will continue to evolve our platform, focusing always on quality real estate deals so that our users can continue to build trust with us. We're going to continue to expand and scale our secondary marketplace so that those same investors can expand what it means to be an investor uh, by buying and selling. And I think we're going to maintain a pretty high bar on the people that we bring to help realize the mission. You know, no company can scale based off self-determination alone. It's another lesson. Um, I can't will us to success. And I've learned that. I've learned that I have to um, build a team um, that I give trust to, that I empower. Um, and I need to be able to hire people that I would be comfortable working for and reporting to. And that's kind of the... Um, the bar that I think we all maintain. And that's really, I think, why we've been able to grow as quickly as we have is because of that quality of people. So even through the scale, we'll always maintain the focus on quality. Okay, amazing. Um, you've also raised money from some of the top investors out there. What would you say was like the primary reason that you got to be so successful at that? Yes, there's, there's a few. And for every single investor, it's different. However, I would say that 
people I found invest in more so than anything else, people. So a lot of our VC investors are investing in the team. They believe in the team's ability to execute and realize a pretty big vision and a pretty big opportunity. And a great team will figure out um, how to navigate sort of uncertainty and challenges. And I think the team, excuse me, has spoken for itself. I think the team, from a product inch, a real estate investing standpoint, um, it's second to none. And I think that's what's gotten the VCs excited. One of our, our, our um, VCs from our Series C asked me point blank, how are you able to bring these people together? Like, what are you selling them? What dream are and, and what I told them is, I can communicate the vision all day. I can explain how we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to transform an industry and transform people's futures. Um, but this is an opportunity that was going to happen one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. This is a unique snapshot in time where people can actually be a part of that. And I think that opportunity in of itself is um, it's pretty enduring. And it kind of speaks for itself when they come and they see the product market fit. They come and see the energy in the office and um, they realize that they can make a lot of money, but they can also change a lot of lives. And uh, that's pretty unique in, in uh, today's environment where there are a lot of companies that index towards the profits or index towards this really lofty purpose without sort of a game plan. Got it. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, what can the Ivy community do to support you and your endeavors? Thank you for asking. Um, and uh, I also just want to compliment you guys. I've been following you from a distance, and I think it's incredible traction you guys have built. And I love the vision and the mission, too, because there's a similar sort of element of democratizing kind of these, these networks and this access that uh, hasn't always been open. So I, I empathize with that, and, and I love it. I think for us, you know, we, um, we're always focused on building a team, finding great talent, uh, we're always focused on getting feedback on our product and the user experience. Um, I do think that there's a really big opportunity for the Ivy uh, community and network to also potentially be um, users on our platform, to be able to invest in deal offerings and um, to be able to build sort of that stability that you don't get with the stock market and uh, you don't get with investing in funds where there's a bunch of different barriers to entry. So maybe there's a way to collaborate on that front as well. We're already doing with our own team members, a lot of whom I would think would be perfect sort of Ivy members and in, in, in network. Um, and, uh, and I think that could be really exciting. Okay, absolutely. I think you might find many people who become clients yeah. or maybe investors in a future mm -hmm. round uh, or also colleagues. So yes. we're excited to spread the word. Uh, if there's one uh, last piece of advice you'd share with everybody watching this or listening to this, what would it be? So I think back a lot to uh, my life and um, the successes I've been able to have, but also a lot of the challenges and what a lot of people would call failures. And I think about all the different circumstances and dynamics that uh, led to um, success and led to learnings from failures. And no matter sort of what life throws at you, no matter what challenges or adversity you have, um, and no matter what sort of skills or lack thereof that you have, there's one thing that you can always control, and that is effort, and that's attitude. And um, I uh, look back at Cadre, and I see our team, and there's um, sort of this, this phrase and this saying that output is never greater than input, and that couldn't be more true for both me and both for our team. And so I would um, 
continue to say, push through adversity, know what you can control, um, and always know that you know effort is enduring. Um, and the sky will be the limit if you put the time in. Thank you, Ryan, for the inspiration. Really excited to support you and keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much for having All me. Right. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you, everybody. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.